Hello, everyone, and welcome to And There You Go, a podcast about life. Whether you're hanging from a cliff by one hand or laughing your ass off, we'll cover it all. And now your co-hosts, Addie and Chad. Hey there. Hey there. How you it's doing? It's the weekend. It's the weekend. Yay us. Yay. We had kind of fun last night. Uh, we went out to a, a local establishment here. We did. Yeah, we had some pretty good food. Mm-hmm. And you had a couple of your faves, uh, lemon drop martinis. Yes. Uh, a couple of them. A couple. I could still walk home. You sure it was, could. It was good. You did just fine. But we had <laughs> uh, uh, some deep fried pickles, which were amazing. Amazing. And then some lavash, mm-hmm. a seafood lavash, which was tremendous. We still have leftovers. But it was, yeah. And so I, well, you have leftovers. I already ate mine. <laughs> in but the it, morning, lavash. Yeah. Seafood lavash yeah. in the morning. Divine. <laughs> Absolutely divine. No, but we also, uh, on the way home, it was about a, a half block from our place mm-hmm. uh, in the downtown area here. And uh, there was also kind of a, a street festival going on. Yeah. And they had tents with various vendors, and um, there was some activity in the, the square. There's a square with a grassy area and a stage, and and it was a lot of people milling around, and it was really kind of a pleasant feel to it. They had lights strung up overhead, and it was just really nice to just to walk down through that area. and. Yeah. See the sights and uh, some of the food, the smell of the food, even though we had eaten it, you know, smelled great. Mm-hmm. But it just had a really, really cool vibe to it. And I think that's kind of what you and I are kind of like, too. You know, that just kind of representative of, of where we are at in our lives right now. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it hasn't always been this way, though, right? Mm-hmm. There's been times when we've been places, uh, lived in places and situations where, it didn't have this kind of vibe to it. And that's kind of what, you know, kind of a natural lead into what we're talking about today, about getting stuck in our lives and how do we get unstuck. And, you know, we all have situations where we felt stuck, you know, for various reasons, stuck in the status quo, the way things are, Mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons, whether it's in a relationship or, say, a career, um, just general direction in life. I know I've felt stuck, and I know you and I have had conversations around that. Mm-hmm. You know, but for whatever reasons, sometimes are here. And when I say here, I capitalize all those letters in the word when I write this and when I talk about this uh, outside of this podcast. And what I mean by that is I differentiate between here and there. And what here is, is, you know, what you're living right now. And there is someplace different. And so I talk about the whole change process in context of here and there. And so what happens is that the status quo, our here, sometimes becomes untenable or undesirable. It's something that we can't take anymore, whether we realize it right away or don't realize it right away. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you get this, just this vague feeling of restlessness, or maybe you have some anxiety and you really can't identify what's causing that, or sometimes you, you know about it. So, so that's kind of what we want to talk about today is, you know, when we start to feel like we're kind of hemmed in, closed in, 
what is that like? You know, and, and we'll talk about some of the things that you and I have experienced and what can we do about it? Because sometimes you, you really feel like, you know, you have no choice but to accept what's in front of you, accept the station you've been given in life or the situation that you're in in a particular moment in time. So we were going to talk through some of that and uh, share some of our experiences. So, you know, I think one of the first things that you have to do in all of this is you, you might have this vague restlessness in you. And I think one of the first things to do is to start to acknowledge that or pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And until you do that, there's really not much that you can do uh, about changing the status quo or, or moving out of that. So, A lot of people use rationalization. Yes, yes. So, okay, here's an example. Uh, you know, you want to better advance your career. Mm-hmm. And you only have a high school diploma. And the work that you want to do requires a college degree. So you're, you feel stuck in your, your current career and your, or your, you know, your, what, what your career capabilities might be or what your potential might be within that career. But you want to step out of that, but you can't because you don't have the financial means to get the education that you need. Uh, that's a problem all over the nation right now. Right, right. Or they're in so much debt because of it. Well, and... and some people agree, some people disagree, but the recent uh, cancellation of some of that debt mm-hmm. uh, for students, I think, uh, is, is huge. So sometimes when we have these feelings of uh, vague restlessness or I've even experienced it as anxiety, an undefined anxiety. and we oh, can't, me too. Yeah, and we yeah. can't really do much about it if we're not able to recognize it when it's happening. And you have to pinpoint it. You have to pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to start to label it and really understand, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling this mm, this noise inside of me. What is it? Is it anxiety? Is it restlessness? What is it? But then you also have to attach it to something, right? You have to say, okay, what's causing this? Where is it coming from? And the way that I've been able to do that is to really catch it when I'm feeling it and pay attention to what's going on when that's happening, whether that's something going on inside my head, some thought pattern or some reminiscing of of certain memories or whatever it might be going on inside my head, but also stuff that's going on in the environment around me. You know, what's my situation? What, what, What am I doing? Who am I interacting with? And really start to attach those generalized feelings to something specific and really start to understand it that way. Right. And I think that when we feel stuck, sometimes it takes a crisis to get unstuck. Yes. Like a crisis doesn't give you a choice to do anything but change sometimes. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced <laughs> some of that. Yeah. 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 Do you have an example that, that you could relate? Uh, I have all sorts of examples. <laughs> I kind of figured that might be the case. <laughs> I guess I have some things to say about it. 
first. Like sometimes we get stuck when we give someone else the steering wheel to our life. True. Very, very true. Yes. And it might be because we're worried. Might be because we're afraid of what others might think or say. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to live a life that others don't understand. Right. It's not their life. Right. We have to quit being so concerned by what other people think or say. Who so, cares? So I think there's some, some of that rationalization that you were talking about before is that that for whatever reason, we're putting importance on what other people say over what our needs and desires are. Yes. And it's in the rationalization is along the lines of something like, well, they know better than I do, or I need to take care of them, or I need to follow their lead because this, this, and that, Mm -hmm. even though it's going contrary to what you're feeling inside. And again, there's that cognitive dissonance that what you want, what you're thinking about, what your needs are, are in contrast with your behaviors and what's actually happening. Right, and it's going to scare you to do the things to get unstuck. Oh, yeah. It's scary. Yep. But you have to do it afraid sometimes. Right. And so in addition to rationalization, there's that emotional aspect of of making change. Change can be scary. Oh, Just like you said. I mean, it's horribly scary because you don't know. And we get so comfortable in the status quo that it's hard to move off of that. And I think that both of us have experienced that in work situations. Oh, yeah. I know that I have. In most of the positions that I've ever taken, I've been a change agent of some kind or another. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of people angry with you. Oh, yeah. Yep. People don't like change. Yeah. Yeah. Even sometimes, even the smallest. I mean, if people are used to a set routine a way of doing things, and you try to change that, even a scooch sometimes. I've had people who have resisted that uh, until they get to the other side and see that it's maybe better. Mm-hmm. But you have to prove it. Right. You do have to and, prove it. And you have to stay the course because people could push you right off the cliff. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've felt it. It's awful. You don't want people to be mad at you, but when you know that change would be a good thing in the long run, you have to try. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes you're forced into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one really solid example for me around that was the last, quote-unquote, corporate job that I had. And this was uh, back in the days that I was drinking very, very heavily. I hated the job. I hated it. And that was part of what was contributing to my heavy drinking, in addition to some other things. I wanted to get out of it, but I didn't know how, and I couldn't figure out, you know, how could I get sober enough to look for another job? How could I even present myself? I couldn't get out of it, so I was kind of stuck there. Mm -hmm. But as the fates may have it, I was eventually fired for my performance due to my drinking. And that was a huge, you know, knock upside the head, a wake-up call. And that sent me into this whole series of events that led to ultimately my, my sobriety. 
and my own personal awakening. So you took action. So I took action, yeah. And it was a change where I, I truly felt stuck in that job. I hated it, just loathed it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had to be there because of other people's expectations. Yes. Yeah. And so I couldn't just up and quit. <laughs> but it was a forced change, but it was a very, very positive thing. So getting to the point of taking action towards positive change. Mm-hmm. And I think that that requires resilience, bravery, and growth to get yourself unstuck. I would agree. I would agree absolutely. You know, I, just like change, growth is painful sometimes, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere where you don't belong. Right, and and yet we do it. Oh, we do it way too often. Uh, somewhere or something that keeps you stuck. I don't know, something that keeps you stuck in your heart or your head, emotionally or physically, is rough. Yeah. And, and it, how do you get past that? How do you move past that mountain? So, you know, we can kind of contrast the slap in the face impetus for change with kind of what I'd call a slow burn in terms of coming to this awakening that something needs to happen, something different, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've experienced that. And the example that I have around that is my decision to ask for a divorce. This was not a quick decision. I was in this relationship for a very, very long time, several decades. And it took me, first of all, getting sober and acknowledging the truth of that relationship before I could even start to consider that change that I needed to get out of that status quo. There were so many reasons for me to stay in that that I had to peel those back and whittle them off one by one and rationalize them out of my life, out of the situation, because I was doing everything to rationalize them into them. And that was what was creating that pen or that boundary that I couldn't get out of, that I was stuck in. It's like you're stuck in a box. Exactly, exactly. And so I had to tear down that box bit by bit by bit before I could finally get to the point of saying, even to get to the point of saying that this is unacceptable. This I can't do this anymore. And it wasn't... At that point, though, that I was able to ask for a divorce, it took more work beyond that. And so it was really a slow burn getting to that point where I say, I could say, I'm done. This is it. I want a divorce. Yeah. So it takes, you know, it can, it can be that slap in the face or it can be a slow burn. Yeah. And you've asked for different experiences in that sort of way, mm-hmm. like getting unstuck. Yes. And so I I know I've got a lot of things I could think of in that regard. One of them would be that I was stuck in a friendship with someone that I cared about so much. Mm-hmm. And it was it was close to a 20-year friendship. But our values did not match. Mm-hmm. I was discovering that over time and I found myself covering for her 
and her misdeeds at times. You know, how you would do for a friend, but it just got to be too much. And I had to end the friendship because of it. And it was terribly painful to me because I I care so much for this person Mm -hmm. to this day. But it was... It actually came to a crisis point, like I had talked about, like sometimes that needs to happen right? um, in order to make the move. And lies were being told, and the friendship ended very suddenly. She was just such a good friend to me in so many ways, but I had to get unstuck. A lot of it was toxic. And so... It was a quick goodbye, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's not making me feel good about what I'm being as a person. Mm-hmm. So I, I, as much as I care about you, I just can't do this anymore. We've talked for years and years about making the changes, and they're, we're still here. So sometimes I think, you know, we can get to the point where we can make these changes ourselves Mm -hmm. and sometimes we can't and that that can be a barrier to making changes that that we get stuck and we don't have the knowledge or the information or the experience or the skill sets or whatever to be able to actually affect change ourselves and those can be rationalization points as well for staying in you know i i don't know what to do um when I was looking for work after layoffs and I was thinking, well, maybe I should do something different because I kind of feel stuck in this career path and I want to do something different, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I, I didn't know how to figure it out. And, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have asked for help, mm-hmm. you know, so you get to stuck to a point. And, and I actually had to do that when I was considering divorce. I literally got to a point where I left my job during that time period. And I sat in my car and I just literally said out loud to myself, I am so stuck. I couldn't figure out the relationship as it was, was untenable. It couldn't continue as it was, but I didn't know what to do or how to get out. So what did I do? I I reached out to uh, a therapist. and Which is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Right? It absolutely is. I mean, it, it saved me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it allowed me to move forward and get unstuck. And so, you know, sometimes we have to reach out for that outside resource, whether that's a, a you know, therapist or a friend or a clergyman, member. family member, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, some trusted advisor that you have that uh, can give you some guidance, you know, or even taking it to a very, uh, uh, different level kind of is you know let's say you plateau out on your your exercise routine and you're not seeing the results that you want what do you do you change it up well you change it up but you can also go and and hire yourself a personal trainer you could you could get a life coach you know for other things in life there's all kinds of resources out there that you could tag on to well i can say that i was absolutely stuck in my first marriage um, I had lost myself completely. I, everything was about him. 
I mean, I just didn't even know who I was yeah. anymore. Yeah. I got married really young. And I'm sure that that came into play to yeah. some degree. I remember after probably, oh my goodness, 14, 15 years of marriage, um, I broke down in front of my parents. I don't think they knew what to think because I was stuck. I was stuck in the marriage. I, I just, I didn't know who I was because everything was about him. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I used to be all these things. I used to be good at this. I used to be good at that. I, I used to like this and that. But I'm a nobody. I'm a non-person. So there's a belief system uh-huh. that's keeping you in the status quo. Yeah. As erroneous as that belief system might be. Yeah. And so after that, I mean, my parents really didn't say very much. They tried to be supportive. But, of course, what do you do when your child's married? Mm-hmm. You want things to work. I began to challenge him. Instead of being so agreeable to everything he said. And that's how I tried to get unstuck. But a year after I broke down at my parents' house, there was a crisis. And there was no warning that I could think of at the time that it would happen. But one morning, my life changed in one sentence. We woke up. And we were getting ready, and he he took off his wedding ring and looked at me and said, I don't want the responsibility of marriage and children. I don't love you. I'm done. Just flat out like that, huh? Yeah, and he went to work. Really? He he left me like that. Like, he went to work. I'm struggling (laughs) for something to say about that. That's incredulous. Right. But everything had been about him. He didn't like that I was challenging him. He didn't like that I was saying, hey, listen, you're a father, and I want you to have a really good relationship with your kids, and I'll help you do that. But this is super important. He wasn't used to that. Everything went his way. Mm-hmm. And that included food, television shows, anything. So let me ask you this. As you were going through that relationship, were you aware that you were losing your sense of self or your, your kind of your identity? That might be a little too strong in, in, in phrasing. But were you aware that, that you were losing yourself? At a certain point, yes. Okay. At a certain point, I knew that it was happening, and I think that's why I broke down. Okay. Because I had just had enough. And, and what was going through your, your mind when you started to realize that? What kind of thoughts did you have around that? I mean, were they, were they like vague or were, could you really identify what was going on? Well, I did identify that it was all about him. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, that's what I was identifying, which made it, seemed to me like there wasn't really a marriage okay because it wasn't about us it was about him and as you were thinking through those things what were you feeling 
I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, like, I want to ask these. Desperate. Okay. Desperate's the word. I wanted to save the marriage. You know, I wanted to have a family that wasn't broken. Right. But I was desperate. Yeah. Because I didn't feel heard. Not by anybody. Yeah. Because he was very charming and charismatic. And, and so everybody just thought, he's this great guy. Who's going to believe me? And so you had two conflicting lines of thinking. One is, I need to have this family. I need to keep my family together. Mm-hmm. Two is, I'm losing myself in doing this. Yeah. Did you see any possible paths out of that? Or how long did you, how, do, how long do you think you, you stayed in that, that kind of conflicted period uh, of being stuck? Well, I think that it was at least when I was pregnant with my first child. Okay. Because then it was very notable that it wasn't going to change. Yeah. Even with a child, it was going to be about him. And I'd always been quiet, but I was I was even more vocal around his family. And I think that they were disgusted. I didn't say anything mean. I just talked about being lonely mm-hmm. and really hoping that he'd turn around and, you know, spend time with me and the kids. And so I would presume then that this feeling stuck, maybe that's not quite the right word for this particular um, setting, but where you're feeling conflicted mm-hmm. about, you know, whether this is the right relationship to be in versus I really want my family and I want I want a whole family. Yeah, uh, it, I think I knew that it wasn't the right relationship and it should have never, pro- I don't know. Yeah. I have my kids, so right, right. I love them beyond anything. But you, you said it really kind of, you, you really kind of hit you when you had your first child. That it wasn't going to change. And so then it probably lasted until he walked out the door and said, you know, I don't want this responsibility anymore. Well, that's So that's a good number of years that you're sitting in this Uh conflicted state. Yeah. And so that was the big trauma. He created a crisis. Yeah. Um, Had an affair with his secretary. And, of course, that was one of my deal breakers. An affair was... As well it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big trauma. So he got me unstuck from the marriage by having the affair, but left me stuck, homeless, with no job and no money. I had two beautiful children to raise by myself, which I had been doing already. Right. You know, he brought in a paycheck, and thank you for that. But that was it. So you go from one scenario of being stuck to another one. Right. Different circumstances, mm-hmm. different needs or different paths out. Yeah. Equally, equally difficult. Equally difficult because I just moved from trauma in one way to trauma in another way. But I did remain resilient, which is part of what you need to do to get unstuck, mm-hmm. 
So I found a job, even though I'd been home for eight and a half years raising the kids, Mm -hmm. because that's what we had decided. Found a job, a place to live, a new life for the three of us, and I did it afraid, and I did it traumatized Mm -hmm. along with my kids. Um, I had some really supportive family members. Um, My kids and I got therapy. Time with my kids always made me feel better. Mm-hmm. And once we had moved and developed a, a new life, having friendships helped me because I had to have a life beyond just that core that I had created, the home, the kids with me, our new life, everything. But I needed more than that. Right. Yeah, sometimes to, to move out of that, as we talked about before, you do need some outside resources, you know, whether that's information or uh, different relationships to help you along the way, you know, just different things that, that aren't you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you simply can't think your way out of situations. You have to take actions, and sometimes you can't take actions by yourself. You need help. You need help. When I was in uh, the field of recovery, addiction recovery, I would often talk to young folks about the 12 steps. And I'm not going to go into a spiel about the 12 steps here. But they always talked about the first few steps about giving yourself over and seeking a higher power. and, And they couldn't understand some of those steps. And so I gave them this analogy. Let's uh, assume that you're driving down a a country road and you need to get home because you have a curfew. It's wintertime and you hit an icy patch and you spin out and you land in the ditch. Okay. You're stuck, right? Right. Quite the analogy. That's good. (laughs) Very literal. (laughs) What do you do? Well, if you're like most people, you get out of the car. You know, you see if if you can, you know, move the snow away from the tires so that you can pull out of the ditch. You might get in the vehicle. You might, you know, rock it back and forth to try to get some momentum to get yourself out. But you get to a point, right, where you've tried everything you can think of, and you can't get out. So what do you do? You call a tow truck, or you call your friends. You call somebody. You get a hold of somebody. You reach out for help. So the analogy there is, you know, in, in addiction, you realize you can't do it yourself, you got to get some help. And that's basically the start of the, the 12 steps. But it's like that in any situation like this, you know, where you're stuck, that, you know, you try what you can. And if you can't do it yourself, you reach out for help. And sometimes reaching out for help comes to you, kind of like we talked about, where it's that slap in the face or it's a friend saying something like, you know, you really don't have to put up with this. So imagine if somebody would have come to you in that relationship and said, hey, Addie, this isn't okay. I hope you see that. Can I help you get out of this? Imagine what that would have done. Imagine, because I really didn't share right. that kind of thing with anybody. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's a good question is, why not if the situation was untenable? Well... Obviously, your private life should be pretty private. Mm-hmm. Um, I did speak out. I spoke out even around his family, but they were disgusted. 
at me. Right. So there's one there's... of his siblings even said, "Is it really that bad?" And it's not like I said that much because I'm kind of a quiet person. Yeah. And I stopped and thought for a second, and I said, "Yes, it is." Um, but and their they, response was, uh, she just didn't really say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. So it is. So I think, uh, we're at about time. Did you have any last little tidbits or anything like that that you want to share? Well, I have quite a bit left to share. This might have to be a two episode deal. Well, <laughs> but I do have a quote that I'd like to share. So let's let's not end here then. Yeah. Let's uh, continue on with this. And if we need to split this into two-parters, we try to keep our episodes to around 30, 40 minutes. But if we need to take this into a two-parter, let's do that. Um, so, so please go ahead and, and continue with what uh, you want to talk about. Oh, sure. Right. Uh, triggers is one thing that I want to talk about because okay. triggers can make you stuck. Um, Interesting. Yeah. When you've experienced quite a bit of trauma, you might end up with PTSD, which I did. Mm-hmm. So I got stuck by triggers. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I'm not sure I quite understand. Right. Uh, well, when I was going through a divorce... One trigger for me was my mailbox. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would go for almost a week without opening up my mailbox because of the fear. I was so stuck. I get it. Okay. And and the fear of opening my mailbox and finding another letter that was mean from him or his attorney or anyone else. I I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I physically could not open up my mailbox. So I guess you could say that I was stuck. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there were certain streets that I couldn't drive on. Mm-hmm. If If I was out driving and I saw the car that was likely the person who had been abusing me, I... I'd go into PTSD mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. It it kind of paralyzes you in certain aspects of your life. Perfect word. It paralyzes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so you you're not able to go about your life as you normally would. You know, you you've got this this fear or whatever emotions around this that are containing you to certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's being stuck. Absolutely it is. Yeah. And so the only way that I could get out of that kind of thing was therapy. And even so, to this day, I have trouble opening my mailbox. Which is probably why I get the mail every day. Yeah, it is. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. I thought it was because I had the only key for it. Yeah, well, but you leave the key here at home. I could get it. Yeah. I'm afraid. Interesting. I'm still afraid of what I might get in the mail. Yeah, I would say that's that's a form of being stuck. Yeah. And I this is how bad it is. And I bet you've noticed this. I don't even open some of my mail. Well, I I don't open some of my mail either. 
but you probably have a very different reason. Mine is because I know it's crap mail. Well, yeah. I mean, there are times where I know that's what it is, and so yeah. I don't open it and throw it away. But in my office, I have all sorts of things that I have not opened that I probably should, but I'm stuck. I get it. I think for me, as you're talking about this, what I'm reflecting on is, is from my own experience, it's kind of, it can be stuck in a mindset mm-hmm. or stuck in an emotional set. For me, what I would use as an example is that after my divorce, I moved to a different place, but it was in the same metropolitan area. And I think that you noticed this, that even though I wasn't living in the same area that I did while I was married, any time we drove near that area, my demeanor would change. Completely. And so I was stuck emotionally because of the geography and what occurred in that geographical area. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has happened since is that I've moved from that city to this city. And I don't feel that emotional stuckness. And by that, I mean stuck in the anxiety and some residual resentments and all of that that go along with that physical location. Mm-hmm. And so by removing myself from that, I've also become unstuck with that that cycle of emotions that goes along with that. And even when I go back to that city, because I do go back to that city at times, I stay away from that area. And we talked about that because I noted that you were having a lot of trouble driving on certain, in certain places that were around there. I could see it in your body and everything, just your facial expressions, everything. Yeah, and isn't that wild? It is. That, that I picked up on it because I understand it. But then again, you know, it comes back to that word paralysis. There was kind of an emotional paralysis that, that was, you know, taking me over whenever I got into that geographical area. Yeah, and that's exactly what I felt. And my therapist did try to work with me on that. And she did help because they have this, like, trauma exposure or exposure to traumatic areas and things like that. And she would try to get me to walk down the street that I was uncomfortable with. Sure. Or, you know, open up your mailbox, just bite your lip and open it up and get your mail. And I made lots of strides that way. But the mail thing is still a deal for me. It's still there. Interesting. Yeah. And I know that I've discussed this in earlier episodes, but I was in several abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And so there was one that made me very sick emotionally and physically. And it took me five years to get out of that marriage. It was a marriage, not really. I don't even count it like that, but legally, I guess. It took me five years to get out because I was stuck by fear. I was so afraid of him because he had a violent temper. And it wasn't a lot of physical abuse, but but the psychological, verbal abuse mm-hmm. was just unbelievable. So I was stuck. 
because he was so cruel and I was so afraid. And abuse alters your nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's like your nerve endings get like they feel like they're on fire. Right. From all of it. And even I still, and maybe you notice this from time to time, I still have a shake in my voice from years of abuse mm-hmm. that I don't know will ever go away. Yeah. You know, that that's part of the stuckness, I guess. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we've talked about that in that episode, uh, yeah. Manifestations. Uh, right. And, and I don't remember the, the episode title name, but, but that was really, really interesting to hear all of that. And I never put it together that things like that can make you stuck mm-hmm. in certain situations uh, as well. You know, certainly there are things that go on inside our heads, that the, the self-talk that we have that keeps us stuck in certain things. But then there's external things. And boy, you know, I, I hadn't thought about fear as, uh, you know, one of those fences that keeps us stuck. But, you know, absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. Well, the fear because of what he was capable of. Because as soon as he knew that I was trying to not be stuck, <laughs> and like I said, I spent five years trying to get away. Mm-hmm. He did a smear campaign against me, and there was harassment and stalking, and the cruelty continued. And that, even after the divorce, that was still happening. And he managed to get by my blocks Mm -hmm. on emails and everything. So I still felt stuck after. Well, absolutely. You, you, You were trying to leave something behind and move on with your life, but you weren't able to. You were stuck back in dealing with all of that. Right. And so I'm afraid of mail, like snail mail, like yeah. I was talking about, yeah. but emails. Emails too. I was afraid too. of emails too because he was doing that. Yeah. And he was sending me very harassing, threatening emails, and he was using his company's email address to do it. Okay, I'm not sure how smart that is. Yeah, right? And I couldn't have been at a worse point. I think that that was absolutely the worst point I'd ever been in because I'd gotten so sick Mm -hmm. physically from all of the emotional. But I knew I needed to unstuck myself and it was going to be super hard to do. But I had to do it. Or I was going to have to leave. I was going to have to go somewhere far, far away. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't find me. And being at the very worst place, I don't know how I ever managed to think of what I did. But because he was using the company email to harass and terrorize me, one day, out of the blue, I thought, I think I know what I'm going to do. What'd you do? I called the president of the company. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there. I had to leave uh, a voicemail, and I said, I spent fifty to $60,000 to get away from my abuser who works for you, and he is using his company email to harass me and threaten me. 
and stalk me. And it needs to stop. I never got a call back from his boss where the CEO, president, I don't know what what his Mm -hmm. title was necessarily. But I did hear from my abuser, and he was very angry. Oh, I'm sure he was. And he he said things like, you're affecting my relationship with my coworkers. And I said, no. (laughs) I wrote back, no, you are. Yeah. (laughs) And he still continued. He still continued. That's how much of an ego there was. And so I, I just said, stop harassing, abusing, terrorizing me because I will keep sending every single email that you send me to them because that's what I started to do. After I left the message for the CEO, mm-hmm. he kept doing it. So I was sending, I was forwarding the messages that he sent to me to the president of the company and his direct supervisor every single time he did it. So he he was mad again. And all I said was, stop sending me emails because every single one that I get, I'm sending them on because you are abusing me. I took my power back. I unstuck yes, myself yeah. and was brave enough even when I was afraid. And that's the only thing that saved me from having to move even maybe to another country. So getting stuck in being brave doesn't come with the absence of hurt or fear. You find a way to be brave enough in spite of it. It's like telling the fear and hurt to move out of the way and let you live again. I like it. Did I say the quote? I I love this quote. Um, Don't ever, ever, ever give anybody enough power over you to bring back the triggered, unhealed version of you when you've worked so hard to become better than that. Very nice. So I think we can wrap it here. Just to kind of recap, though, You know, when you're feeling some vague restlessness, whatever that might look like, and you can start to understand it a little bit, you know, it's important to work hard to recognize those feelings and attribute those to something. Note what's going on when you're feeling those things. So like in your case early on in your marriage, you know, you felt the the juxtaposed feelings of wanting to take care of your family versus maybe this isn't the relationship I want. Mm-hmm. So you have to really start building that awareness and understanding of what's going on around them. To your points too, and, and to your quote, you know, know that you can have better and you deserve better. I got better now. <laughs> <laughs> There's time, you. <laughs> time will tell, baby. Time will tell. No, don't say that. We both know. <laughs> but then, but then, you know, again, uh, as in your situation, you know, you need to find the, the courage and the wherewithal to find a solution. And sometimes finding a solution is something that you can do on your own. Sometimes you need to reach out for help, you know, accept the help when it comes to you too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another big thing. Just know that you have it in you to change your own human experience. And there you go. And there you go. <laughs>